Um, today I'd like to talk about um, my identity. And as a young fella, you know, sort of 15 years old, um, there's all these streams of where I could find my identity. And for me it was uh, motorbikes and cars and anything that ran on petrol. And so I'd spend all my money and all my time doing that sort of thing. And I saw myself as a petrol head and that's who I was. That was my identity. Um, but then, you know, you say your car would break down. Suddenly I didn't have an identity, you know. Um, so it was very, I think it's very fickle, you know, looking back. Um, uh, and identifying with those things. And today, you know, that, that was for me as a young fella. And then it was the next thing, you know, it might have been four-wheel driving and then hunting. And each one of those things that I identified with, and I'm saying there's nothing wrong with those things, but if your identity is found in those things, there's a problem because, say, say for hunting, um, you need to be fit and active, but what happens if you injure your knee and you can't walk anymore? Suddenly, you're not a hunter. Um, so what I, today I wanted to talk about is where should our identity be found in? Um, and we live in a world that challenges our identity. Um, you look at Facebook, it's, you know, we're, it, it's um, sending us these images of... Um, Know, people on holiday at a beach, and, and we should esteem these things, we should esteem those beautiful people, and it, it's and we think, oh, that's where our identity is, and in, in conforming to those sorts of values. Um, so we can see ourselves as the world wants us to. We can see ourselves how we see ourselves. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, and even in a Christian family, I sort of still had self-esteem problems. Um, you know, and my mum and dad spoke good things over me, but you know, you still, you know, your peers at school, like you're not good enough, or you can't do that. Um, you're not in the soccer team because you can't run, or you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, the, the third thing is we can see ourselves as God sees us. Which one of those three is right? Do we trust God? If we trust him, we've got to see what the word, what he says about us, and believe what he says. So even though the devil knew who Jesus was, he confronted Jesus' identity by saying, if you are the son of God, Command these stones to become bread. See that? If you are the Son of God. The devil knew who Jesus was. But he confronted his identity. Isn't that interesting? Jesus deflected the devil by quoting scripture. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Lord, from the mouth of God. Um, there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take down 
but take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So next time someone or some situation or a thought in your head challenges who you are, you've got to quote the scripture. Um, and I'm not just saying it's people around us, it's probably the biggest one is ourselves, what we're saying to ourselves. So next time you have a thought that's contrary to, to what God says, we need to use scripture. And that's where we need to have scripture already there, ready to go. Um, so Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone. Bread represents the things we feed our minds and hearts and life with. Our thoughts, our habits, our traits, accomplishments, and, and comments. But God says we should not live on bread alone. We should live off the things that we are fed on this earth, but everything that comes from the mouth of God or his word. So let's look at what the Bible says who I am. I am saved. Um, as a young fellow, I remember um, being questioned, like, you know, I made a decision for Christ when I was 15. But yes, sometimes in my life I thought, well, am I really saved? You know, I had that doubt. But 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with his holy calling? not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So first of all, know that you're saved. That, that's your identity. I am complete. Colossians 2 verse 10 says, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I am chosen. We need uh, one philosophy, first Thessalonians one four says we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be His own people. I'm forgiven. One John two twelve says I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. You know God forgives us but we've got to forgive ourselves. And we've got to trust God and believe God that he has forgiven us. And God is truthful. He doesn't lie to us. So we're forgiven. And we've got to believe that. I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Wow. Do you feel new this morning? <laughs> I'm a child of God. Um, God doesn't make rubbish. Hey. Haynes here. Top man. He doesn't make rubbish. We've got to believe that. What, what's your voice in your head saying? I am redeemed, Ephesians 1, 7. I am light. I am justified. I'm free from sin. 
and you say, but Justin, I sin, I'm sinning all the time. But there's, there's three parts to us. There's our spirit, our soul, and our flesh. And when we say we're free from sin, it's our spirit. Um, the, the flesh desires what's contrary to our spirit. So when we say we're free from sin, it's no longer I that sin, it's my flesh that sins. Um, the scripture for that is Romans 7, chapter 7, verse 17. I'm more than a conqueror. Romans 8, 37. I'm God's temple. I'm not a Mecca. I don't have to go to Mecca to find God. I'm his temple. Further than that, we are his um, bride. He's the groom coming for his spotless bride. Um, I don't feel so spotless in my flesh, but in my spirit, I, I believe that Jesus laid his life down and I'm made righteous through what he's done. I'm cleaner than the driven snow. If God says it, I've got to believe it. It's crazy. It's bizarre. It's a word Annette used this morning, bizarre. I sort of clicked on that bizarre. It is. It's so bizarre. I am one with Christ. I am called. I am created for good works. Again, um, I want to talk about that a little. Sometimes we see our identity in our works, like I'm the church secretary and that's what I do. And this is where um, I find value and where I'm recognized. But God wants you to know, Sarah, that you're his daughter. And works are great, but if we find our identity in our works, that's wrong. Um, I'm a builder, but if my identity is in building and I hurt my knee and I can't walk, no builder, no one wants to hire a builder who can't walk. So I've just lost my identity, will that be silly? So my identity is in Christ and who he says I am. I'm victorious. I am not condemned. I'm guarded by God's peace. I'm no longer a slave. Galatians 4, 7. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Um... And I was thinking about that relationship I have with my son, and my son, he just bowls into the house, opens the fridge, and gets what he wants out of it because he's got that relationship. Whereas at work, I've got an apprentice, and he comes into my house, but he wouldn't bowl into the fridge because he's not my son. And I was thinking about that parallel between me and God, that same, that same relationship. I'm like, I need to bowl into God's presence, into his fridge, and demo is cheese and salami sort of thing, you know? Um, I, I need to have that relationship and that justification because I'm his son. Yeah. Yeah. I'm accepted. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore accept each other 
just as Christ has accepted you. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am healed. I'm surrounded by God's mercy. I am well planted. Psalm 1-3 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also does not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. That's what God says about me. Who am I to say I'm not going to prosper in high inflation times when there's no building material, no jib board, no wood? I'm going to prosper because God says, not what I think. I'm beautiful. Thank you. Even with no hair. God only made a few perfect heads on the rest he put here. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's the world's definition of beautiful, which, you know, you can picture. But then what, what does Proverbs 31 says about a beautiful woman, you know? We've got to believe that. I'm not alone. Fear not, I am with you. So Emmanuel, God with us. I'm God's tabernacle. I'm sufficient. I am strong, 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. God's power is perfected in my weakness. Crazy. Bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I'm blessed. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm special to God. He knit me together. He knew me before I was in the womb, and he knit me together. You know, he's a creator. Imagine him, you know, I think about Cheryl. She's doing her artwork and she's doing all the painting, and she's, I want it to look like this. You know, I'm just seeing God do the same thing with us. He's created you uniquely you. So you're special. I am joyful. Now, the, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. God's true to his word. He's going to fill us with joy and peace. I'm alive. I'm precious to God. Isaiah 43, 4 says, Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honoured and have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm wonderfully made. I'm hopeful. I am God's. I am wise in God. For the Lord God gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. God's given us wisdom, so we are wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So to sum up, we need to see ourselves 
as God sees us. And we need to talk. When we talk about ourselves, we shouldn't talk about our flesh. We should talk about ourselves as what God's word says about us. I am righteous. And we shouldn't do that in a prideful way, but we we should be doing it out of a a, a spirit of righteousness. Um, We need to be careful what we feed ourselves on, what our peers say, what Facebook says, what we say, what the media says, who we trust. Do we trust man or do we trust God? Our identity defines us and gives us confidence, what God says about us. Our identity affects the way we speak about ourselves. Um, There's our standing. Our standing is who we are in God, but then is our state. And our state might be, first thing in the morning, I've kicked the dog, I've swore at the wife, I've gone to work, I've done road rage on the way to work, but that is my state that I'm in. But my standing never changes. I'm a child of God. And I arrive at work, and here's the apprentice. He's broken up with his girlfriend. And I can bring God's word and love in that situation, even though my state is in a hell of a mess. My standing is I'm a child of God. And sometimes I don't feel worthy because of my state. But I've got to remember, I'm worthy because of my standing. Um, there's a saying, we value ourselves as the most valuable person in our lives values us. So, if you, say, had an abusive partner and they didn't value and they're the most valuable person to you, your esteem would be this big. But if the most valuable person in your life is Jesus, and he says all these things about you, then that's how valuable you are. But Jesus needs to be the most valuable person in our lives. Amen? I am who you say I am. And I'm his, because he says I am his. Justin walks it out every single day. When I see him go through stuff, and you see it from afar, he walks in confidence because he knows who he is. And it's true, it's an inside-out job. We need to know who we are inside, and then we can protect that outside. And when people tell you stuff that is not true, it doesn't align with God's word, like I'm not a good runner, or I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not beautiful, you don't have to accept it. Because the minute you accept it, you're taking seeds in and you're letting it grow. Some of us need to pull some, some weeds out today. Those seeds have caused weeds and they're choking us. We need to pull them out today and get back into God's word. I know Justin's mom, Judith. Beautiful woman of God. You know, you're a credit to your parents, Justin. Your, your parents are just beautiful people of God. They walk truthfully. They walk humbly with him. And Judith is very close to my heart. I haven't seen her in many years, but, you know, she left an impression on my life. And I know she's left an inheritance for you and your family too. And so I just want to honor parents today that are praying for their kids as well and teaching our kids and our children's church that are teaching and feeding into our kids God's word so they know who they are at the end of the day. Next up, we have Suzanne. 
Here is Suzanne. Oh, there she is, right in front of me. <laughs> Suzanne is a, a mighty woman of God. She is quiet. I've never seen her flustered. I've never seen her flustered because she walks with God daily. Her and Andrew do life with God. They have such peace around them. When, when craziness comes, I don't see them floundering. I see them walking through it quietly and humbly trusting God. And so it's just a testimony to the way you guys lead your lives. And I know you've been through many stuff and you've got family and blended family and everything else. But it's, mm. it's, um, it's good to see how good God is in you. So yeah. good to hear today yeah. what's, what's God been doing in your life. Thank you, Karen. Um, so, like Karen said, I've, got, I've actually got a really, really big story. Big story. So, um, I've only got 10 minutes. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to say, first off, that I actually stand here transformed. My heart is actually transformed. And I'll share a little bit without going into the details, but we did... Um, my first experience of Christ, of meeting God, was when my mum was attending church. I was a child. I was probably about six, and I think she became a Christian before I was born, because she was advised not to have me, and I grew up hearing that I was loved and I was wanted, but the events that were happening around me did not line up with what I was hearing. And I've got stuff here, <laughs> but I just know that actually the Holy Spirit's probably going to lead me with what I'm going to share with you. But it's a big, it's a big, it's a big sensation in my heart, actually. And many times I would walk, um, I would walk with the Lord, and I would walk with the foundations that we're given: reading the Bible, prayer, solitude. I would walk with them and I would get to a certain stage and I would feel like it was all too hard. It was all too hard. I didn't want to be doing this Christian walk anymore. And it became, there were times when it became overwhelming. But thankfully when I came to Awaken, we just felt like we were home. And I got in were with a lot of the teachings. There was Awaken You, there was groups to go to. And I discovered the orphan spirit. And for my mum in that church that we started off at, I'm sure they were wonderful people. They were. I know they were because they surrounded us when things got tough. But unfortunately, when I was about nine, I... Um, our home split, our home split in half, and I did not go and live with my mum. I went and lived with my dad, and he was not prepared for that. He wasn't prepared for the split, and he wasn't prepared for having a teenage girl on his hands, and he had a lovely heart, a beautiful heart, thankfully. So, as I said, I was surrounded by love, but we were walking with a very strong spirit, I believe, of brokenness and mental health. So, I shut the tap off. I shut off the access that I had to God. One of my first memories of giving my heart to the Lord was when I was a young girl. 
and my mum led me to say the sinner's prayer. It's not in the Bible, I've discovered, but it's actually quite good. And it just says, Lord, I recommit my heart to you. And I saw my mum doing this often as well, I think. And so what, what ended up happening at this stage was I said the words and I just instantly felt his presence. And I said, I want to say those words again because I can feel his presence. I can feel him in my heart. And as I was, as a young girl, I was walking down the street with my mum and I mean, our church was, the first song that you sang, I know the words. I actually know the other verses because they're in my heart. And my mum had an amazing gift for music. She did not have to read the pages. She could hear something and play it. And in recent years, I have taken up learning to play the piano so that I can actually share something with her because for years we didn't walk together at all. We were, I moved, we were connecting on the phone. She would constantly pray for me. She was still carrying her broken spirit, still carrying it. And when I started attending Awaken, I was actually able to share what I was learning with her and tell her constantly that she was forgiven, that I forgave her. And in learning to forgive her, I was also learning to forgive myself for errors, for brokenness. We all make decisions that, you know, shape our world. And I had children out of wedlock, my beautiful children, and I even suffered a broken, uh, not broken, shattered humerus, and it literally felt like God was planting me on the couch. I couldn't move for nine months, well I had nine months of rehab, I had to keep my arm like this. I couldn't even do this, I couldn't dress myself in the morning. So I went from being, I was thinking, I had everything in order, everything under control. My kids' lives were going great. I was getting them to soccer. I was getting them here. I was doing it without a husband. I was doing it on my own. I was coping. I was managing. <laughs> this was obviously before uh, even coming to awaken. But when I sat on that couch, I felt the Lord saying to me that I needed to get back in, in line with him. And when we came to awaken and started um, learning more about the orphan spirit, I could see that some of that had influenced our upbringing and our experience of Christianity. Um, I had him in my heart, but I did shut the door. And I knew he was there, and I was praying, I was even praying, but I was able to recommit my life um, to the Lord, as I said. Once I'd recovered enough to drive with my shoulder, we started attending church, and my children were not quite 10, so we um, went to one where the kids' ministry was um, hopefully fun for them. 
And I came across this verse because because I did, I felt, I felt broken and I felt like I was carrying the spirit of the mental illness and a spirit of brokenness. But in Romans 8, 1 to 3, it says, There is no condemnation for those who live in union with Christ for the law of the Spirit, which brings life in union with Christ, has set me free from the old law of sin and death. What the law could not do, because human nature was weak, Christ has done. And when those times came that I felt like I couldn't handle things on my own and I wanted to step away, I surrounded myself with the building blocks that I got to know. I had worship music on all the time. I would set myself up in the morning with um, times just soaking in that music and hearing those words. So the, the power of words is just incredible. Never underestimate the power of words. And in building those foundations, I came across a lot of scriptures that that would help me at different times. And in looking through them all, um, I know that Justin has pointed a few out in Romans, great ones. Romans is a great chapter uh, book. Um, but every time I would just can resubmit those feelings to God and I would ask him to shape my heart because there were feelings in there that I knew were not from him. So I would just continue to ask him to reshape my heart, to transform my heart. Last year when we were asked to host a group um, for the church and we said yes and um, we have a small group which is a wonderful it's great to come in community. That's that's really what I feel like I've I've stepped into here. It's a family, um, and we're able to support and encourage one another in all our different walks. Because I think what God's been showing me is that He's always there through all of that trauma, whatever's going on, whatever's happened in your past. He's not going to judge you for it. He's not going to judge you for it. He loves you unconditionally because God created us. And we're made new in him. Uh, so last year, when we began our practice of silence and solitude, um, I just found it really encouraging to practice in community and... I was learning, we were learning different ways of practicing silence and solitude, and one, one that particularly um, I struggled with at times was just sitting, not doing anything. Yeah, because this world around us is really good at uh, telling us that we have to be busy and we have to achieve and we have to, and we have to do this and we have to do that. And that, that, was, that was very much a drive in our family I think almost in, all, in, a, in an effort to try and counteract some brokenness. Yeah, people that weren't walking with Christ. 
and that influenced me and it influenced my heart and it made me very critical of myself. It made me very critical. So, so to sit and actually spend time with myself was not appealing, but the practice, it, it didn't put any pressure on us. It just said, if you can only commit to once a week, if you can only commit to three times a week, if you can commit to once a day, that's great. So I would not put that pressure on myself and I would often try and get up early in the morning, not because I had to, but because I was already awake. And it said start off small, 10 minutes, and the first 10 minutes um, often would, I would not feel anything happening. I wouldn't feel any presence. But one particular day, I was, I'd done my practice and I hadn't felt anything. So, so that was fine. And I got in my car, I was driving to work. And I think I was listening to a song and I just I felt over, overcome with, with his presence again and his joy. And I just know that if any struggles come up in, in my life, I just know that I just need to lean to him, on, him, on him and not try and sway the outcome myself. Because he goes before me, he goes before us. He goes before us. We are just flesh and bones and we can be, we can be hurt. Come and, come and ask me, if, if you're brave, come and ask me about my scar. It's really good, <laughs> if you like that sort of thing. Um, Doreen's not here today, she, she'd be laughing at that. Um, but I just felt this overwhelming presence of the Lord in such a powerful way. So learning to abide more in the Father has allowed a deepening presence of him in my life and trusting in, in him in more and more areas and shifting some really powerful, in powerful ways, shifting things that have just hung over me. And not just over me, but over my nieces, my nephews. The Lord is transforming not just me, but the people that I love. The people that have come from my mother's womb are being totally transformed by the Holy Spirit. I went to visit their church and there was a guest that just singled me out in the seat. The first, I was one of the first people <laughs> to be spoken over. Um, he just locked eyes. I was like, right, okay. <laughs> Red. Um, and he just grabbed my hand and I just started laughing. I just started laughing and he said, What's, what's wrong? What's going on? You know, laughing and crying. He said, what, what's going on? What are you feeling? What are you feeling? You know, and he said to me, I just, you know, sharing with him that I just simply said, I think, that what he was saying was the truth. That we don't have to believe the lies. Um, and it was a powerful moment especially with my nieces being there and they, they do know my nieces. So, yeah, just really holding the outcome loosely and allowing God to go before me in all things.
because we do have that power in us and it is, we are accepted. The moment we acknowledge him, it is able to fill us. I'm going to leave you with a quote about the Trinity. It's commonly said that the Trinity is a mystery, and it certainly is, but it is not a mystery veiled in darkness in which we can only grope and guess. It is a mystery in which we are given to understand that we will never know all that there is of God. It is not a mystery that keeps us in the dark, though, but a mystery in which we are taken by the hand and gradually led into the light. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing, Suzanne. Um, you know, what I heard from that is about his transformation. And it's about actually being a community and Suzanne and Andrew finding home at Awaken and then actually engaging in that when sometimes when it wasn't comfortable to actually pushing through and say, God, I want to unpack this. What I've learned is maybe not the right thing. Show me the truth and the truth will set us free. And it's not only been transformation for her, but also her family because they serve a generational God, right? And that's so exciting to hear. Thank you for sharing. The next, I had the privilege of introducing my husband, Haynes. We've been married for 27, 26 years this year, and uh, life is an adventure with Haynes. <laughs> I like to be in control, and um, he likes to not plan and just go on a whim and just do things. But he's also a man that searches after God, and he gets undone by God. And I don't think there's a day that goes by that we don't sit down at night time when we come together and he shares, God shared this with me today. And God corrects him. And he's okay for correction, and he's okay to say, I'm sorry I got that wrong. Um, yeah, so he's a humble man, but he's a man on fire, and he's passionate for God, and I'm really privileged that I can call him my best friend and the love of my life. So hands come up, let's hear what you have to say, share for us. Yeah, when I, when I pray, I talk to God. And when you pray, we talk to God, eh? So when we read the Bible, God answers us. There's so many quotes, so many verses, so many addresses that I heard this morning. And when we pray this morning, iron sharpens iron. I'm already sharpened. That's the word of God. It's just been revealed here this morning. There's so many truths. Right. I don't know how to start from there because it's been just an awesome, but I'll try. Um, as you can see, I wear a very a shirt with a lot of flowers on. Um, I love this shirt. So the topic is going to be gardens. I want to talk about gardens. Um, everyone here, right, has a garden, Okay. Whether it's a, a concrete garden or it's a lifestyle block, whether it's a small garden, a big garden, we've got gardens, right? Yes. <laughs> um, I found myself recently working here in Lower Hutt and Upper Hutt and Wellington in gardens with my good friend Ian. We're in partnership. Um, he's organized some gardens that I can work in. But 
these gardens, I find myself, um, what a privilege, because that's when I start meditating. For you, you don't know, know us, we live in Stokes Valley on top of a hill, and uh, we don't have a lifestyle block, but um, it's, it's a garden, and this is where I talk to God, and this is where I reflect, and this is where I, I get my strength from, um, from the garden. Because I want to show you something here this morning, why I'm getting my strength from that garden. Um, for you who don't know, there are four gardens in the Bible. Uh, I just come across it over the Easter. I know about the three, but I don't know about the fourth one. The four gardens in the Bible are the Garden of Eden. We all know that one. We know the Garden of Gethsemane. Because that was a favorite place where Jesus had spent time with his disciples. And then the one that I didn't know was the Garden of Golgotha. Because, yeah, Garden of Golgotha. And the fourth one is Garden of God. That's what we call paradise. Each garden has a distinct of itself and describe our walk with Christ so far. And a walk with Christ so far, what I have experienced. So I, my prayer is that it will resonate with you, these gardens. I'm going to go and dig into these gardens this morning and see where we go. Our Christian faith is a walk of Christ, and we've, he's ordered our steps, Proverbs 20, 24. Um, love that scripture. So the first one, let's start with the first one. It's the Garden of Eden, or known as the Garden of Sin. Yes. Genesis 3.8 says that before sin entered the world, God's creation was good and that he walked with God in the cool of the day. We don't know how long that fellowship was, but I'm, I'm sure it must have been good. Walking with God in the garden. Wow. So once man sinned, the relationship was broken. What a heartache, I believe, it must have been for our Lord when he could not associate with creation anymore. I was sitting in my garden thinking about the families in church, uh, my walk, and some thoughts came up that we are in desperate need of God's grace. Why? Um, like this morning, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. We are in need of God's grace. You know? The devil, we're celebrating on what Monday is, Anzac Day. But the devil, um, spiritual warfare is about isolation. Yes, that's what we're doing now. We've been recently isolated from each other. He'd like to separate the gathering of the saints. So that's when he can attack. So that's when he can start sharing lies in our lives. You know? Um, it's a similarity con concept of isolate first and then you attack. And that's how you conquer. Same happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they were isolated from God. You know? What are we believing this morning? What lies are we believing this morning? Second garden is the Garden of Gethsemane, also known as the Garden of Suffering. For those who don't know me, I work at Capital Training. Um, I'm a tutor. I'm the team leader at Capital Training. 
I work with broken youth, the ones that's not, um, well, according to school, not trainable. They come over and uh, we try to teach them through tertiary education. Tertiary education, sorry. I see some of the students, they come through the doors and they feel that separation. I can see on their face the anxiety. They don't know what to expect here because they heard of what's happening, what's the, <laughs> what is capital training all about, you know. And I see that separation when mum drops kids, well, the, well, the, a child at the centre, and I, I can see that separation, you know. Um, this topic was discussed in, life group, in our life group as well. We, that separation and anxiety of Jesus, he felt it during the time, being separated from God, the Father, that he would face at the cross. You know, that wasn't the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that suffering was so intense that he was sweating great drops of blood. We read in Matthew 26, 39, and 40. While the disciples are sleeping, Jesus prayed to the Father, Not my will, but your will be done. Verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said, couldn't you watch with me for an hour? Besides the agony of Jesus, I found that this would have been the same commonplace, like I said before, where Jesus was hanging out with the disciples. You know, maybe that's why they fell asleep, because they felt this is a commonplace, the Garden of Gethsemane. Or... Are we just tired this morning? I've heard some testimonies this morning. It's powerful. We the lies can influence our lives. And we feel just, we're tired. Just want to carry on. And then anxiety comes over. And then depression. Depressions make you sleep. Are we suffering this morning? I wouldn't encourage you, for each, if it's through marriage or it's through finance or you cannot ex explain why it's suffering, just give it to God this morning. Trust Him with all of your heart, all of your understanding. Let Him take it. Let Him take it. Why do I say this? Because one thing we know for sure, that nothing would death to Jesus for going to that cross. Because there was prophesied that he would die and rose again on the third day. We celebrated last week. I love this verse. So that suffering, I can walk in my garden. I walk in my garden. I, I, I work my garden. I, I, I find myself when I'm going, my thoughts are running. Because I'm an active relaxer. I like to, when I relax, I need to be active. But I'm getting these thoughts, and I'm spending time. And it's just amazing how I'm sharing the thoughts. This is my scene where I am at, you know. Reflecting on life and building hope again. The third garden is called Golgotha, the garden of victory. The Bible says in John 19.41, Now the place 
where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in this garden, a new tomb in which no one had laid before. It is so fitting that our Lord to be laid down in a garden. Jesus is up. That's why I'm getting my strength from the garden. Because he was laid down in the garden. I had to change my way of thinking, you know. I was brought up with this, the, 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 the hill, and on that hill is the three crosses. I'm not taking anything away from God's grace yet. It, 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 but what about the garden? Our rest is in the garden. I love my garden. <laughs> when I changed my thinking, I saw that our victorious king has just conquered sin. Look at it. He conquered sin and Satan at the cross. It's empty. It's finished. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? You know, I pray differently these days. I see different outcomes. I pray from heaven and not to heaven. Why? Thank you, Renee. That's good. Because Colossians 3, 1 verse 3 says that put on, put on a new self. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, on, not on things that are on the earth. To know Jesus and his word is to know victory, you know. If so, this morning, to know Jesus, to know his victory, so let us take the victory and serve one another. Let us honor one another. Let us love one another. Honor the leadership. Honor the eldership. Honor each one of us here this morning. Because let's love one another. That's the others we're talking about. You know, Paul is talking about a Greek word, agape love. But he's trying to explain it to was it Corinthians. Yeah, the Corinthians. There's four classes as well of that, that, that word, uh, love. Well, Google, if you Google it, I found myself Googling it. There's eight classes, but the four that the Bible is talking about is eros and it's philia, storage, and um, agape love. I'm battling with that <laughs> different areas because we've been like Corinth said we, last week we uh, Auckland and I've got my, uh, 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 my brother's wife, uh, brother-in-law's wife. Um, she knows how to <laughs> pull my strings, you know. But they, they, that's, that's the filia, that, that, that's the agape love that I need to work on. Love to unlovable. <laughs> God is working my heart so I can love her. The filial love is brotherly love. I don't think you need God's love to, um, because an army, for those who have been in the army, for those who have been in the police force, that brotherly love is filial love. Right? That's, that's really a strong love. The other love that he's talking about is storage. That's family love. And then eros. Eros goes to erotic 
I'm not going to give you desperate three last put in work. All right, we'll leave it there. So let's share the good news. If we are in that, I feel myself, if I'm in that garden, the garden of, of victory, the garden of Golgotha, let's share the good news. Um, recently, I just want to give you some examples. I, I don't know, afternoons, I go in a sauna and sit in a sauna and meditate. And as one, I was in the, in the spirit, and I came out of the spirit worshiping, and here's a guy next to me in a sauna. Yeah. I said, mate, what's happening? He said, I don't know why you're sitting next to me, but I want to share. I said, yes, share. What do you want to share about? No, love. Oh, okay, let's talk love then. <laughs> let's love. Yeah. He said, no, I'm actually uh, I'm from India. I've got no, I've, I'm, I'm looking for a job. I'm bringing my family over, but it's a walk of faith. I said, wow, that's why I had to look at you because I saw that faith inside of you. But I would, I would love to pray with you because the God that we serve will honor that faith. He will find a job. It's awesome. Do we want to pray? See, where do we pray? Do we get our clothes on? I said, no, we just pray here in the sauna. Oh, okay, let's pray. <laughs> and then we prayed. Another example was in George Street. I was working in a garden. It was six o'clock at night, and my friend phones me and said, no, um, my friend wants to commit suicide. And I said, yes, I'm there. I get in, and I know, I was tired, you know, uh, worked all day, but I went over there. But I, I remember what I said to the Lord is, can you fill me with power? Because I'm really tired, Lord. So I get there. I introduced myself, but I could see the cloud around the, the spirit of death. I rebuked it then and then. Why did I rebuke it? Because we carried the anointing of Jesus Christ. We, in, we, we, in, we can do that. Long story short, she rededicated her life to Jesus. I left her there with her friend. She's now on Facebook. She's, she just, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's all she can say is thank you. But that's the anointing that we carry. That's the stages where we're living. Right? I found myself in this victory, this, this God of Golgotha, and I'm, yes, I'm living with victory. So for now, if you look at the Bible and talk about a timeline, the Bible starts with the creation. It goes on with the fall redemption and restoration restoration is the final garden the garden of eternal life the garden of the light you can see here this morning that we've come to a full circle i've tried to explain to you the sin garden of sin the garden of suffering the garden of victory and then finally we come with the eternal garden the garden what we call paradise revelation 2 7 he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcome, I will give you to eat from the tree of life, which is the midst of the paradise of God. Church, we are walking as citizens of heaven. We heard it this morning from Justin. Philippians 3.20 say, For our citizenship is in heaven, from where we also eagerly wait for our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. The best, the, the, the best part 
is that we're going to walk with Jesus forever. Wow, that's an amazing thought. I've just renewed my mind, and I'm looking forward to walking with Jesus. Before I give back to Carl, I just feel something to you. That you, if you, uh, thank you, Lord. Who believe they received something from God this morning? Can you put up your hand? Who was, uh, put your other hand up if you think that you're receiving a blessing here this morning with all these testimonies. Raise your other hand. And if you're going to take it home today, I would ask you to stand up and give God the glory for all the testimonies. Let's give God a hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for testimonies that went out here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Haynes, see, I have a very interesting life. I mean, who would have thought Haynes would share <laughs> and pray with the man in the, in the sauna? You know, it's uh, yeah, he keeps you on my toes all the time. Worship team, you can come up. We're going to close in our worship, but um, you know, the, the Bible says we're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. And if something today that someone has shared actually touches you, because this is how we build bridges between us, is actually we share what we've been through. And maybe what I've been through, you've been through, and maybe what you've been through can help me get through what I'm going through. So, you know, when we stay for coffee afterwards, and please do stay, because we'd love to chat and reconnect again face-to-face. Um, -face. Catch up with the people that have shared, and, and let's start sharing our stories, and let's build each other up, and let's, um, you know, do this together, because we love God, and He loves us, and we all want to walk in victory, and one day be in that paradise, and we get to walk with God. So, worship team, over to you guys.